0: Hello my warrior loves, welcome to Beyond Body, a mini-series where we are exploring body image and how to change the internal and external scripts that influence the way you think and feel about your own body. Subscribe and follow along to hear real-life stories and experiences on the path to body image healing. Now, if negative body image is holding you back and fueling your eating disorder, listen up. This February, we are curating a small intimate group of warriors for Beyond Body, a six month body image accelerator program that brings together tangible practices you can call on for the rest of your life and an intimate group format for deep learning, healing and integration. Now we officially start in March. So February is the time to get your application in and get on a discovery call to see if Beyond Body is for you. Beyond Body is a safe container designed for women in their mid to late 30s, 40s, and 50s who want to do real, long-lasting work to improve their body image, so this one precious life can be enjoyed more fully and freely. With the right approach, skills, and support, body dissatisfaction doesn't have to hold you back in your relationships and career. If you wanna make this the year you do deeper body image healing work during the spring and summer months, request an invite to apply for Beyond Body at recoverywarriors.com beyond. Spots are limited, so get yours in now by requesting an invite to apply at recoverywarriors.com beyond. Today, I'm with Erin Witherspoon. Erin is one of my very first students over seven years ago. She joined one of our community-centered programs where we worked closely together for months, and it was so beautiful to not only see her break free from binge eating, but also to break free into her next level self as an artist. And over the years, it's been such a joy to watch her blossom into this creative and entrepreneurial woman that she is and... She is now just a prolific artist of multiple mediums and is an experienced educator to other artists. And it's just, yeah, such a joy to to watch Erin become more of Erin. So I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome, Erin. Thank you so much for having me. It's nice to see you again. I know. (laughs) And I was just thinking, Bear, like I remember I still have the reel or no, it wasn't a reel. That was like pre-reels. We like knew each other pre-reels and it was a story. I did some like live event online and you sent in your like journal notes of what you learned from the event. And I was like, whoa, this woman is like talented artist. And I remember as you went through the program, that was like your first permission slip that we had was permission to be creative. Like that was a side of you that you didn't even fully acknowledge, I feel, or like, To see like seven years later, it's just like, I can't even like keep up on Instagram with like how much amazing art you create. So yeah, I just, do you remember back to that like time period? Oh, I have it right there. (laughs) I have the
1: journal you're talking about right there. On my my shelves here beside my desk, I've got all of my journals that I've ever written in, and that was one of the first ones. And actually, it was your programming that really led me to give myself permission to, to be creative and to explore that
0: part of me and to be curious about it, so... I I owe you a debt of gratitude as well. (laughs) Yeah, I imagine you don't need that permission slip anymore. (laughs) Wow, yeah. Well, so let's dive into your body image story. And you know, we're not looking for perfection here. This is really just like the journey that you've been on with body image. What age did you first become aware that your body was something to manage and keep small? And what was going on in your life at that time? It's interesting because I have kind of a two-part answer to this question. I have previous to the
1: past maybe year or two, I would have said with definitive, like 100% full belief that that I realized that in my first marriage. So it would have been when I was about 18 or 19, maybe even a little bit earlier than that, just the recognition that I could do something about the way that I looked and other people would react to those changes in certain ways. And most of the time it was always in search, me searching for validation through their reaction to how my body changed. But in the last year or two, I have had another memory surface. It's not one where I wouldn't say I was learning to manipulate the way that my body looked. But I do very distinctly remember getting strep throat when I was about 10. And I remember not being able to eat because my throat was so sore. And I remember laying in my bed. And that was the first time I felt changes on my body and made the connection that it was because I wasn't eating because I was sick. That was about 10 but I never, at that time, I never uh, took that any further. I don't think that eating disorder was
0: triggered at that point. I don't think. So from like 10 to 18, you didn't really struggle with food or body issues during that the
1: period? No, no, I didn't. I just distinctly remember becoming aware that the body is something. It'll change based on what you're doing with it. But it really, really, when I was in my first marriage, it was when I really started to try, to try
0: to manipulate my body in a way that I could get a reaction from somebody else. Were you looking for a reaction from him oh, yeah. or just other people was it more kind of like wanting to fit into that perfect wife role and yeah just wanting to please because so much of
1: what he expressed to me his feelings to me were displeasure about anything and everything then that was something that I could I felt like I could control was at least if I can't control how he feels about how I'm feeling or about how, something that I've done you know, because honestly, a lot of the time his, you couldn't really predict how he was going to feel about anything. The way that I looked was something that I could maintain and establish. And once I, you know, get, then I was always seeking that approval and I don't know that I ever really got it, but was always seeking that approval.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad that was a first marriage as in that is no longer the marriage. Traded that one for a better model. Yeah. Better model. <laughs> I'm sorry. I do not want to drive that one anymore. What was your biggest body insecurity back then and how has it evolved? I don't know that I could – I don't know that I could label that. I don't think – I mean, yeah, just the way I looked without clothes on was in general. Yeah. I've heard a lot of that from most people. It's like it was just like my overarching body. <laughs> like yeah, every, yeah. All of it from head to toe. Didn't,
1: didn't discriminate yeah. one body part from the next.
0: It's just <laughs> – <you know. laughs> it in general just didn't look the way that i thought that it
1: needed to so
0: yeah. yeah and so were you going heavily like into the gym at that time like how did food and exercise tie into the way you tried to fit a body ideal
1: oh that's so you got to realize i'm 48 going on 49 so this is a long long time ago and i remember the very first program that i bought into it was a book and i was very well sought after it was a very well known program for uh, for dieting and, and weight loss. And I bought into that so hard. I would shop. I read the book cover to cover. I would highlight the pages and dog ear them and make all the notes and treated it like a math project every time I went to the grocery store to get groceries. And, you know, I would obsessively reading the labels and all of the things that an eating disorder can can cause us to do, I was doing. So yeah, it started with a book and then it morphed into into exercise so it sort of was like the diet book and then morphed into exercise and back when step aerobic home vcr like vhs tapes were the thing so i would get up before everybody in the morning and because i had a baby at the time so i would get up in the morning before the baby got up and before my ex-husband had to go to work and i would do my step aerobics in our tiny little living room and yeah bizarre
0: (laughs) to think about now (laughs) Yeah. Like, where'd you find that energy <laughs> Like being a new mom? <laughs> well, yeah, he like... didn't. I didn't really even really think about it. Right. You just just had to be done. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have a very kind of like disciplined, obsessive kind of like you say, kind of checking all the boxes to make sure that you're hitting?
1: Oh, very much so. Very much so. Yeah. I still tend that way. So with some things like in my business, I tend that way to make my lists, my checklists. I love my checklists. I just use them in a different way now than I used to. <laughs>
0: you know, use them in a more, more business minded, productive way. And then over time, you started to then develop more binge eating. Was that like, you feel like kind of a response to the years of restriction? Or were you also binge eating at that time period in your life?
1: Yeah, I didn't start, didn't look for treatment until like you said, was it six or seven years ago, however long ago it was, I didn't seek treatment for I didn't think anything was wrong. I didn't think that I needed any help with anything? I just thought that I was failing at all of these diets and all these exercise programs all over all, over all these years. So looking back with my therapist, it was fairly easy for me anyway to recognize that in my case the eating disorder morphed, so it changed from one type of of kind of like diagnosis to another. So there were times when exercise anore- anorexia was was probably what I was experiencing. There was times when orthorexia was ty- was what I was experiencing. And then eventually binge eating was where I actually discovered, like realized, I guess, that something was could be very different with my thought processes. And so I started seeking treatment at that point. It was binge eating disorder when I started seeking treatment. Yeah.
0: And then by doing the treatment, did it help kind of get to the underlying root of all? Like, how do you see it differently today with food and exercise? And Well, I was using, I was
1: definitely using food and exercise as a way to get control of something, anything just needed to be in control of something because the rest of my life just felt completely out of control. And I mean, therapy definitely opened my eyes to all of that.
0: So do you find now today, like, are you in a more peaceful relationship with food and body and... Yeah, it's definitely still shifting
1: and changing all the time. I approached treatment, like in therapy, very much like one of those checklists. Like this is here, give me the list of things to do. I'm gonna do all the things, and when I'm all got them all checked off, I will be healed, and I will be all better, and I can cut, carry on with my life like nothing ever happened. <laughs> that's not really how it worked for me. Maybe some people can do that, but that's not how it worked for me. So I, yeah, work. I worked through all of the all of the different layers and the different things that have come up that I've learned about from my past, that were triggering the eating disorder and letting me stay in the eating disorder. But I find that even with that awareness of how my how my life has morphed and changed and how the eating disorder morphed and changed with it. I don't know, I wouldn't say I'm fully healed. I think that that's going to be an ongoing process for me to always just be working on healing because now, you know, I've gotten the the relationship with food in a much healthier place. And so I'm trying to revisit now my ex- my relationship with exercise and do it in a healthy, approach it in a healthy way so that I can have fun doing it instead of making it like a regimented thing that I must do and control. So
0: yeah, still morphing. Have you found any things that have like worked for you? Giving myself permission to
1: just, well, first of all, it was giving myself permission to try some things because I was terrified. Terrified that it would just suck me right back into all of the old patterns and habits and I didn't. I didn't want to be there anymore. So I put it off for a really long time. What happened was actually I bought a, an exercise bike. And it's one of the ones that you can hook up to all the classes and stuff online. And so you can do live rides and, or pre-recorded rides. And it was a gift for myself that I bought myself after I quit smoking for one year. So I gave myself once I said, once I've quit smoking for a year, I'll buy myself the exercise bike and see how it goes. So yeah, and that was two and a half. Years ago, and yeah, and it's it's been yeah the permission giving myself like you mentioned the permission slips permission to try, and then giving myself permission to just stop if I wanted to like if it didn't feel good I didn't do it. Turns out I just really do like the endorphins you generate when when you exercise. So, but I'm not doing it obsessively. Like I can go away and I would just went on holidays and I didn't work out. Didn't care that I didn't work out. It was too much fun reading on the beach. So, I mean. I don't want to say balance, but it's a harmony, right? It's everything in life, I think, needs to be like a harmony. You're never going to have the scales fully balanced, but they can be harmonious. You may be leaning a little bit more to the relaxation and you won't want to work out. Or you may be, maybe you're going through something in your life and you need to use food in some way to cope with that. But as long as, for me anyway, as long as I'm aware of what's going on and, and mindful of what's going on in my life, maybe I am going to be eating in a specific way for a period of time while I cope with something else. And it's just that understanding that it's okay to go through those like waves, right?
0: Yeah. More fluidity and Mm -hmm. recognizing that it doesn't have to stay in like a specific, specific way. You know, I find too with exercise, like a good litmus test is like the amount of guilt or shame that you hold if you can't engage in the activity. And I loved how you said in the vacation, you're like, yeah, I was just enjoying myself on the beach. Not like I need to do this because I'm going to feel guilty or shameful about myself. Yeah. Yeah, so I know that's a tricky area for a lot of people. It does take some rebalancing to find that that harmony that you speak of. Yeah. Does anyone in your life make body image healing harder for you? Yes. <laughs> Did you want to know who? <laughs> I want their names. I want Facebook profiles, their Instagrams, their addresses, social security. No, I'm just kidding. We uh, <laughs> could be fake. Yeah, but there are people in your life that do make it harder for oh, you. Oh, yeah,
1: for sure. They don't do it intentionally. They don't I don't have anybody in my life who maliciously will, you know, say things that just because they know that it's gonna get under my skin or that it's gonna trigger something, I'm lucky that way. I also really is audit edited, I edited my exposure, I guess, to people who don't have a filter or are unable to understand that sometimes the way that they speak can negatively affect the person that they're speaking to. So I mean that was years ago, probably when I was still in your programs, that I really edited those exposures. And I'm careful about who I spend a lot of time with, but I can't really avoid it with what I'm doing now, dealing with the public all the time. So when I do an art class, I don't know who's going to be in my class. And I cannot tell you the number of times that I have walked by a table of people who are working on their beautiful art projects and talking about their diet that they're doing or talking about, and it just, it does, it breaks my heart. And so I've just, I've learned to diffuse it in a tactful way. And most of the time they understand that there's other things that we can be talking about. All I have to say to them usually is I let them finish whatever they're saying. Then I will say, and yet that's the least interesting thing that I can think of about you.
0: Oh, I love that.
1: (laughs) And then they are like, oh, oh. And then I'll say, I'll turn it around to what they're working on. Tell me a little bit more about what you've done with this or whatever. And it's really easy to diffuse most of the time but it's
0: everywhere. It's so ingrained in our society. Yeah. And it has become like a bonding ritual for, for many women or, you know, just people in general that that's like, okay, that's an acceptable thing to talk about, <laughs> like how you want to change your body or how you are. <laughs> yeah. It's almost as
1: if some people, and I re- actually, I remember feeling this way in the depths of the eating disorder, like feeling as though you're worthy of having the conversation or worthy of their admiration or worthy of their time If you can prove to them that you're working to make your body different, you know, like, so here's what I'm doing and here's how it's working or not working. And therefore, you know, I'm as good as you are because I'm also trying to change my meat suit.
0: (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's pretty (laughs) radical to be like, yeah, I don't care. (laughs) I just, I just enjoy food. I just enjoy my life. I just enjoy my body. No goal to get to, (laughs) just living it up. (laughs) What does having bad body image cost you?
1: years, years of not being aware of what's going on around me because I was so tied up with what was going on in my mind and so consumed with making sure that I was following the program. And I can't go and do that thing because then I can't follow the diet and then I won't be able to exercise. And ugh, I missed, on, I missed so much. It
0: cost me so much time. And I imagine what you have a, you have a child, you have your grandma. So like, there's also like the time where you probably for for when like activities with them or certain meals, just because that wasn't part of the protocol or the plan.
1: Yeah. Like I think about how many dang birthday cakes I made <laughs> that I never ate. <laughs> like I made so many dang birthday cakes for those two dar- darling children of mine that I just never even took a nibble of.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, you know, it's, that's so common where people, you know, bake and cook and do all these things, but then don't get to enjoy it themselves. Well, it's really easy to obsess
1: about new recipes and about you know and you tell yourself it's you're caring for your people and how ironic is that you can't care for yourself in a way that allows you to feed yourself to nurture yourself with food but you f- can focus all that energy on your your family and it does it becomes a little bit obsessive for some people
0: yeah, I remember I had a big recipe collecting phase with absolutely like very little making of actual recipes. It was just like obsessive recipe curation. <laughs> like,
1: yeah. Well but, and it makes sense. I mean, you're if you're in a restrictive mm-hmm. disorder, you're starving to death, like literally, and all you can think about is food because you're so hungry. Mm-hmm. So it
0: makes sense that you're collecting recipes. And it's sad. You're like, oh yeah. I'm just gonna have this rice cake now. <laughs> like instead of all this deliciousness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What steps did you take to repair your body image? Oof, well, you know, (laughs) you know, some of them because I did it with you. So much of it was with you. The first step was in the
1: therapist office. The first step was I had to accept the fact that I couldn't, like I I went to that first appointment with with my therapist and she, I thought I was going to go in there and she was going to give me a worksheet without the the checklist of things that I have to do. And I thought, okay, maybe it's going to take me a couple of visits. To get all this done but i'm gonna just put my mind to it i'm gonna do it and i guess the biggest thing for me first thing was accepting that that's not how it was going to work and that and i still wanted to you know still believing that i could do it and that i won want, wanted to do it
0: yeah we talked about that i mean we explored the masculine and feminine a lot right the masculine just wants to go check 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 show me what i need to do give me my logical steps and then the feminine's like but you've got all these emotions and like things that need to be explored with no depth in sight. Uh, yeah. And remember you actually had like a transformation where you just chopped your hair off at the, like, and not fully off, not like Sinead O'Connor off, but like you, you kind of cut it. Like, I felt like that was a really way of just like owning yourself. I felt like in that process of just like, I actually never really talked to you about that, but just like, I noticed like now wow. she's like owning herself. Like this is cool <laughs> Like to see, you know, and then over the years it's grown back out, but like, it was cool to just see yeah. that like, oh, hey, like, <laughs> like you know like, it'll happen again it'll happen again you, my hair it yeah it's in cycles i yeah it's so that something like liberating for you to just to kind of be like yeah this is this is i love to have these like different looks that i can try on and in different yeah. styles i think i mean back in the day i
1: thought it was because i was edgy and cool but i think now it's because i'm just like you say trying to figure out who i am always i'm always trying to figure out who i am cuz i think we're always all changing you can't be a human in this world and stay the same that's just not how it works I think it's edgy so. and cool.
0: I thought it was edgy. And cool. I did. I still do. I think it was edgy and cool. I was like, wow. Yeah. What has come into your life more now that you're not so focused on judging and changing your body? Ooh.
1: Well, a whole new career, first of all. Yeah. I mean, there's that. A lot more peace, like just calm, because I have so much mental bandwidth to spend thinking about other things. So it's not as busy or full in there. <laughs> so yeah, a lot, of, a lot more calm. A really, really good grasp on not necessarily who I am, but how to find out how, who I am and how to keep exploring that. So yeah, those are all things. Relationships are better, so much better, because I can listen when we talk. My mind's not occupied with
0: other things. See so more presence, more patience.
1: Mm-hmm
0: wow, I mean, how prolific you are in art too. I can't imagine how you could have done that while being like in a very malnourished state or just in the state of the eating disorder mindset. So it just seems like liberated so much of this. It's called like Eros energy, right? Like our our creative energy to just really allow that something to attach to that's not, you know, food or exercise. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Never would have happened. Well, I shouldn't say that. Maybe it would have happened and it would have looked differently. I don't know. But it certainly wouldn't have happened the way that it's happening now. And confidence comes. That's, that's where, yeah, that's been a huge shift for me too as a result of your programming and therapy and just being able to create. And, and I'm not going to tell you that every time I step up to my easel and create something, I'm just so confident and I think everyone is going to love it. Absolutely not. I make crap all the time but the difference is I'm okay with making crap sometimes because sometimes it's not crap. And it's the process is always the same. The process is always one of me pushing through all the doubt because every painting that I do, every art project that I do, there's always doubt about what I'm doing and whether or not it's going to work or look the way that I think it's supposed to look and I have to constantly remind myself that that's not what I'm at the easel for. Not perfection. That's not what we're here for. We're here to create things and so it'll be what it'll be.
0: I love that you embrace that imperfection and like allow it to be what it is, which is what needs to be done with the food, right? Like you can't not can eat perfectly, can't perfectly control the creative process either. And and I even have seen some of your like reels where you like have something that didn't work out and you're like, and I'm just going to cover this up now with something entirely new. <laughs> like, yeah. like Bob Ross, you know, when he like messes up, he's like, let's just turn it into a tree. and like, you like <laughs> do that. I'm like, oh, how cool. Like that you get to kind of recycle the, the creativity that you had that compost it in some way because you felt like it wasn't what you wanted. And then you're just composting into something better. What I Did you like that? that? Creative compost. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> write that down. <laughs> can I use that? You can use that. I don't, yeah, I have no use for it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I've creatively composted a lot. Like, you know, even like program things or like the like things that I thought like, okay, like the program's over, but it's like, nope, now I'm going to like bring it back and reimagine it. And yeah. So I think that really is an important piece of just any process is allowing for imperfection and uncertainty to be a driver in it. What is your biggest body image healing milestone? Oh,
1: there's so many. So many, cause it's been such a long time. Like it's been such a long journey and I'm constantly learning. So there, yeah, there's lots of recently. I distinctly recall, I don't know when it would have been within the last year, maybe two. Yeah. the Last year or two. Mm-hmm. Like, as you know, we have my husband, one of his favorite things to do is to sit in the hot tub in the morning and then and at night it's, and he likes it. I used to go in with him all the time, but I, as my journey through treatment and recovery changed, my body changed Took me a really long time to get my mind okay with what was happening with those changes physically, and I spent a long time not going in the hot tub with him because I was worried about how his reaction would be. So, so anyway, it was about about a year ago, maybe a little bit longer. I don't know what happened. I don't know why it happened, but I just suddenly one night thought, "Well, this is bull spit." I bull <laughs> spit. I. He's out there enjoying the night. winter in Manitoba is cold. He's out there with this little hat on in the hot tub, enjoying the hot tub. And I'm just in here grotting, you know, I was groping about or moping about it. So I didn't even have a bathing suit that would fit me anymore. I just put on a bra and underwear and I <laughs> got in the hot tub. <laughs> Actually, he might not have been home when I did that. Come to think of it. No, he wasn't home when I did that. I did that by myself. And then when he came home from work, because he works away, so when he came home from work that weekend, I got in the hot tub with him, and he was like, "Oh hi, oh hi, what are you wearing?" <laughs> That's fine, It's great. <laughs> so, anyways, rest assured. Before I went to to Cuba a week and a half ago, I had a bathing suit. I didn't wear a bra and underwear into the ocean because I didn't want people to be upset. <laughs> okay,
0: but so you were just in Cuba, yeah, and you were in a bathing suit
1: there, bikini. I wore a bikini on the beach in Cuba and didn't think twice about it. Did not care. There were, you know what, if you've ever really thought about it, gone to the beach and looked around, there are bodies of all shapes, all sizes, all skin colors, and none of them give a crap what anybody else thinks. So why should I just go in the water and splash? Like, it's really that easy. It doesn't feel that easy when you're in the throes of an eating disorder, but it really is that easy.
0: And if they do give a crap because maybe they're struggling with their own body image issues, it's kind of like... Oh, I don't want you to give a crap about this. Like, like enjoy yourself, right? Like, I guess what we'd wish on to someone else. Like, we wouldn't – personally, I wouldn't see somebody else and be like, oh, like, you should really be concerned about being in <laughs> that body right now in that bikini. You're just like, no, yeah. live it up you be you. And I find that the closer you get to that, for me anyway, the closer that I got to that sort
1: of like acceptance of myself and everybody else's bodies just as they are, the more you realize that they probably aren't thinking about you as much as you think they're thinking about you.
0: They're more concerned just like you are with themselves. Mm -hmm. So because humans are kind of self-centered beings. Yeah, we are. It's like I'm thinking about you, thinking about me, thinking about you, thinking about me, thinking about you. But in the end, I'm really just still thinking about me. me. (laughs) What do you appreciate most about your body? All the things it's done. All the places it's taken me. All the
1: things it's done. Dr. Seuss. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Two babies. Amazing. that The human body can even do that. Survived a really, really difficult first marriage. Um, Survived all of the trials that I've put it through. And it still just works for me. It's still just like chugging along every day going, Okay, we got this. We can do it again today. Did it yesterday, we're gonna do it again today. And yeah. I could I could play roller derby like a you know what for so long I did. Like just bananas, the things that the human body can do.
0: Roller Derby is so cool. Okay, so yeah, you are cool. You know, (laughs) you cut your hair, you do roller derby. Like (laughs) my
1: tattoos are all covered up. I didn't want to shock anybody.
0: I love it. Roller (laughs) Derby grandma. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <with Yeah. tattoos. laughs> yes. What is something you know now that you wish younger you would have known or would have heard when developing her beliefs about her body? That my body is just for me and
1: your body is just for you. It doesn't need to be complicated.
0: What would you say to folks struggling to believe that they can be happy and healthy in their bodies no matter what they look like? Oof. What would I say to them?
1: I don't know. I don't really know that there's anything when I think about myself at that stage. I don't know that there was anything that anybody really could have said because everybody did say all the right things, you know, all the quote unquote right things to me. All the people who loved me said it, but I didn't believe it. I had to kind of go through the trenches and learn more about myself and why I thought the way that I did before I could really believe that I didn't need to think that way
0: was I mean I, m- I remember we learned a lot in you know the program on self compassion was that something that helped you of get to that space Oh for sure yeah for sure just like a- allowing all those all the ick you know
1: and 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 really the program helped me to realize that like because I started treatment later in life than a lot of people do and your your programs I was always almost always the oldest one in the room for a lot of that and It really helps helped me to know that all of the ick that I was trying to avoid, all of the feelings that I didn't want to face and deal with, I wasn't the only one feeling them. Even though I was a little bit different than some of the other people, a lot of the other people, it it was all the same feelings, and it wasn't just me. Yeah,
0: I think for so long it's like ick, like ah, push it away, like I don't want it. But then it's like the self compassion is like ick, come here, (laughs) like come here, ick. Yeah, it's gonna be, it's gonna be okay, be okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. where can all the warriors stay in touch with you?
1: Woof on Instagram. I hang out on Instagram most of the time. If I'm on social media, it's usually there or my website. You can email me. My email is on my website, but my Instagram is at Erin underscore Witherspoon, and
0: Aaron has two R's. Aaron with two R's, so unique. Yes, yes and <laughs> I love I love your reels that you make. They're always super cool and
1: yeah, like very I creative. have
0: done Haven't done any inner critic stuff.
1: I did a lot of reels about challenging the inner critic and silencing the inner critic when I, you know, a couple of years ago, but I haven't done any for a while. They're fun to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Enjoyed those. I enjoy them all. I think they're they're so cool to see you make and like things that you teach people and Yeah, we've had you come in and teach collaging and journaling, so many different things. And so it's always just been so cool to be able to uh, spread art. I feel like it's such a creative modality to use in healing. Like I have now gotten so into doodling my emotions, expressing my emotions through like stick figures. I can't even tell you. Like it sounds so simplistic and like childish, but Mm -hmm. it's like The breakthroughs that come from drawing out my emotions like with little stick figures, like very, you know, imperfectly, like we're not going to frame these or anything, but like just it just opens up, it opens up a whole new center in my brain that I think gets closed off if I'm just trying to like journal out my thoughts and just with written form. I feel like the, and I know that's been a big component of your recovery too is the journal work for sure. The journaling and adding the creative. Doodling, doodling in my journals
1: was pivotal. It was, uh, because I still, I don't think I'll ever be able to forget. The, that first appointment when my therapist asked me to start journaling. And I approached it like an assignment. I was uncomfortable with it. I couldn't write the words because I was absolutely terrified that somebody would find my journal and read the thoughts that were going on in my mind. And so I went back for my second appointment and she and I hadn't done any journaling. And she, she said, I'm going to just ask you to try again. Just set a timer for five minutes and sit with the journal and just see what comes out. And what came out was doodles. And she encouraged that and said, just keep going. And she, I think her, her intention was that her thinking was uh, eventually words will start hitting the page but we actually ha- what actually happened instead was we started recognizing some some of the some patterns in what i was doodling and what was going on in my life and in therapy around the same time that i was doodling certain things and so we, with those patterns we started kind of working on on un- unlocking some stuff that was going on which is fascinating but there is for me there was definitely like that it took away the fear component of of somebody finding out what was going on in my mind and because I mean, art can be interpreted. If 15 people look at an art piece, it can be interpreted 15 different ways at least. So yeah, even if somebody had picked up my journals, they wouldn't have known what I was what I was writing.
0: I love how healing is so, it's so individual. Like there can be things that people can have, you know, similar experiences around, but I feel like it's this thing that you find all these different threads and you weave together into making your own holistic healing path. I, I really think there is no one way to heal. And so for some people it is, Like you may not know how much art in in doodles can unlock something. Like for me, they really have. It's been crazy transformative on my silent Saturdays. I do my little stick figures and my just simple watercolor work, but it's like, wow, no idea that that was something that would shift so much for me. So I just want to say that for anybody, if you think you've tried it all, like there's so many things that you can do. And sometimes it's actually bringing like many of them together, like at once or at different time periods in your life to unlock new ways of of seeing yourself and your inner world absolutely well speaking of inner world love being able to dive deeper into how you have transformed yours so much and just oh how much creativity is just oozes out of it i freaking love it (laughs) and i am grateful that yeah I i know you and that you're you're here on earth so thanks aaron for sharing your story with us today thank you for inviting me to share my story
1: um it's been really really nice connecting with you again.
0: Well, lovely listener, your body is a powerful and amazing instrument whose job is to carry you through this world and help you experience life. And so we are here for you. Subscribe and continue to follow this series and come join us on the path to body freedom and learn what it means to fully live in your body, regardless of your shape, your size, or the number on the scale go to recoverywarriors.com beyond to request an invite to apply for Beyond Body. This is our six-month body image accelerator program for middle-aged professional women with history of an eating disorder. So once again, that's recoverywarriors.com beyond. We would love to connect with you close and a personal week after week for many months and many moons to do this deeper healing work together. Thank you so much for being a part of this.